The process is black and white, where two friends examine the trials and tribulations of starting their individual businesses with their cultural differences and similarities, along with whatever else accompanies them on their journey. Each week, they will discuss a few chapters from books that will transform you from being a wantrepreneur to an entrepreneur. Here's Vernon and Devin. So I have a question for you. All right. So we're reading a good book right right now, which I really enjoy. We also had this uh, big game played a couple days ago, for those of you who watched uh, the Super Bowl. And it got me thinking about, you know, mentality, right? Like like the, the, the mental part of things, right? And... I got a, you know, there's a question. Is there, from a mental standpoint, if you're in competition, if you're, you know, like you you listen to this book and the first parts that we've read, it kind of seems like from, you know, when you're in war, there's no, there's no turning anything off. And the moment you get comfortable, and the moment you, you know, the moment you feel like, you know, safe or we're good is the moment where a lot of mistakes and errors start to happen. So, like from a from a military standpoint, when you're you're in war, like there, like the guy said, he in the past they were trained by guys who who didn't experience war, so they didn't understand that there 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 are every moment is a go, every moment is, is high intensity, sure. And at no point can you turn things off from a men, like men, one little mental mistake can end up in a in a very serious situation with a lot of lives being at jeopardy. So, from a min, I guess my question would be: Is it possible to have an aggressive mentality, right, and turn that off in the heat of battle, and be able to succeed and turn, turn not succeed and turn it back on? Like we hear, like in sports, you hear the the flip switch, the switch flip. Like, is it possible to switch those flips? Do you feel like to switch those? Uh, flip those switches like on and off and on and off like and because clearly in battle what we've learned what we're learning from this book is there ain't no switching no flip no switch flipping those switches there's literally we're on and you gotta stay on i so for for me i don't know i do know that like i have a switch and i know how to flip it right Mm -hmm. um now you know uh, the stakes and the pressure are different, right? So, like, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. be, you know, yeah, no, we're being I, being real, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, however, and actually, I've worked with you and seen you flip the switch as well, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I know that we both sort of have switches and we can flip it, right? Like that, it's it's better to go eighty percent, ninety percent of the time. <laughs> Right, it's mm-hmm. it's better to go at a high level but mm-hmm. forward uh, consistently than it is to like burn hard and, and peter out, right? Because um, I've seen both of those. So, and I definitely understand that you need to turn it on and turn it back off, right? Um, that's actually a real thing that you need to do um, with like ultra elite performers, right? Um, so in this case, it's seals, but it could be 
a baseball player, a basketball player, you know, a tennis player, something like that, right? Um, with those ultra elite performers, they kind of need to do it too, right? Like sometimes a match or a game or whatever is just a game. Like yeah. sometimes it's just a Wednesday. Um, and people don't like that, right? Because they're paying, you know, $100 for tickets and parking is 20 bucks, And, you know, it's a big event for you, but for them, right? Uh, I was actually listening to the guy from uh, – the guy who was the writer for Will, the book that we read, mm-hmm. uh, this morning. And he was talking about how when Will meets a fan, he – is like super engaged with that fan for five seconds, right? Like he like he zooms in on that fan for five seconds and then he moves to the next one, right? And uh, he was he was asking him about it and he was like, well, you know, for me, he's like, this is an a- it's an asymmetric relationship, right? Like for for me, this is just another fan interaction. I'm gonna have a thousand of these today. For them, this is a story that they're gonna tell a hundred, two hundred, three hundred times. So. For them, this really matters. So it, it's, it would be disrespectful for me not to turn it on in this moment, right? Mm. Um, but that tells you that Will knows how to turn it on. So does the switch exist? Yes. I don't know the rest of your question. Like I have a little trouble sort of like dialing it in perfectly because – Well, I mean – and, and I would say – It's tough to know at the, at the ultra elites like what it looks like, right? Like – can you turn it on for just the third and fourth quarter in a game? Can you, um, in a in a war type situation, like turn it off to catch your breath if you know that you're safe, and then turn it back on? Like I, those are things that I just don't I don't know. Yeah, yeah, and I think the thing that I would say is probably more of the question is to me in the in competition because there is an opponent. Right, like when I watch, when you watch sports, right, it's kind of like the tortoise and the hare, right? Like, the tortoise was slower, you know. We know it all. We all know the story. But the tortoise never turned their switch off, and the switch to me isn't about a million miles per hour, or like Russ. To me, Russ, he turns his switch on and off all the time. But you watch the way he plays; it's with reckless abandonment. The, the every game, every moment. But it's switched from a mental standpoint. You know, understanding, surveying, knowing what the opponent is trying to do. Putting the things in place that you've studied all week and having that show up on the field or, or on the court for his sake is a different, there's a mental switch. There's a switch where you're you're not, it's not, it has nothing to do with your physicality. You know what I mean? It has mm-hmm. to do with the calmness in the understanding of the moment. Yeah, you know what I mean? Those, like, I think that those are kind of like two different switches, right? No, they are. I agree. Um, I think they yeah. are. I agree. I, I, I think like with and, – and you kind of heard him talking about it. One of the stories in the book, this chapter, was, you know, they were in like some town and he had gotten disconnected from his uh, team and then he was in like ultra high stress situation really fast. And he was like mm-hmm. – and he, he went like almost through a checklist. You could – like you – when he was writing about it, you could tell that he was like, okay, I need to handle these things in this order. One, two, three, four, five. Mm-hmm. And then he's just like, there, there is no two unless one is complete. So let's focus on one. There is no three unless two is like, he just worked his way down the list. And you could tell that that, that list, that's that training and preparation. 
Yes. Right. Um, and that list. I, so I don't think that's a switch. Oh, you think I, that you think that you either have it or either. you don't. I don't even think it's you have it or you don't. I think it's you 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 prepped for it or you, you prepared didn't. for it. You know yeah. what I mean? Okay. So that's a good way of putting it. Like I don't think, at least my experience, right? No, like, that's my a fair experience way of has been when I've looked at a situation and understood all the stuff. It's because I understood all the stuff, and then I could apply everything just sort of instantly because I had enough preparation, right? Um, I actually had a situation at work like that, like relatively recently where I like looked at a situation and I like looked at it and I understood it and I went like, okay, I know exactly what to do. And then I just could execute, right? There was no, um, there was nothing else. And so I think my, I I think that my experience is that preparation and the, the focus switch are two different switches completely. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a fair point. Yeah. I think I think yes, that's a fair point. I think some of it is preparation is also in in your routine. It's the things that you don't necessarily you think about but you don't necessarily you you're quick to your feet on it. It's you know what you got to do. This is what I got to do. I'm thinking about it. Just making sure I'm covering all my bases, but I but I know what I got to do in this situation. Yes, that is a little bit different. Yeah, than, like than necessarily. I mean, how many times have you seen the person who like visualizes the thing that they're going to do beforehand, or even like take it to your job? How many times when you're we were talking about this, I think last week or maybe it was week before, when you're on your way into your job, do you sort of intellectually prepare yourself for the things that are going to happen? And of course, like the like the saying goes, right? Everybody has a plan until they're punched in the mouth, right? Um, mm-hmm. But you prepare, you think through, like, okay, well, these are the things that we need to get done today. This is how we're going to do them. These are my players. This is how I'm going to set this up, right? And you kind of have all that in your head. And then when the randomness of life starts coming at you, right, you're you're able to easily take it in stride because you're like, okay, well, I know that this is my plan. I know that this is vaguely where this goes. I know that this is how I want to do this. And it just works. I wonder if, you know... Because the situations are different, right? Like, you don't want to compare a battle and, and, like, sports, like actual war and sports with one another. Sure, yeah, or, or like, know. work. Yeah, <laughs> right? or, or like work, right? Yeah, it's totally but, different. But the, the lessons apply, which is what the whole yes, book's about. that's what the book's about. And that, and that was the point of bringing it up. But I think also, you know, there's philosophy that also plays a little bit of a part in this as well, where I think the thing that in the book, and we'll get into it right now, I guess, the thing that like I felt like listening to the book and he and he starts it out where, you know, first chapter, he's the commander and they're at battle and all of a sudden he realizes that the two bat the two sides that are battling right now could potentially be his, you know, it, 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 friendly fire, as he called blue and blue. Yep. You know, and I think there's a, there's a philosophy that he had that he talked about when he was about to place blame, which he was, you know, I guess even when you have friendly fire, you have to, you know, go to sure. like a, almost like a court is what it sounds like. You go pretty much like the commander's on trial or have to like, you explain know, point himself. out and explain himself and explain who's at fault for this mistake. And I think like what the one thing that 
in that moment, he kind of, to me, lays out what the book is about and what he means by ultimate leader. You yeah, know, is that what he, that's ownership. extreme ownership? That's what he said. Extreme ownership. I right, mixed it up, but is that at the end of the day, if you're in charge, everything that goes wrong is your responsibility it's on you. because you're in, you're in charge. Yep. And I think from a philosophy standpoint, preparation, it can't, it has to be a lot of, a lot of variety or I guess versatility to what you're able to do in every situation. And if he, if you become, you know, and I'm going back into sports here, right? If you, if you become a leader that, your philosophy is just this one thing and we do just what we do. That means your preparation suffers because you're only preparing to see something one way or you're making the assumption that your one philosophy has the answer for everything that's out there. And I think it's important like to be able, you know, to have, and even in life and in business to be able to understand it, that pivot, and how vital that pivot is and how being an an extreme owner you have to have kind of the answer in multiple ways or at least have a philosophy that allows you the freedom to answer every question differently you know what i mean as you as you teach as a leader because like what i loved about the book so far is he talks about how there's no bad teams there's no bad players you know, as the ultimate owner and leader of your group, it's up to you to figure out. There's an answer there. There's an answer for every single question, every single challenge that you come up to. But it's important to know what your team strength is, what the worst player on your team strength is, and how do you how do you lead them better, set them up to be in better situations so that they can have more success. But I love the idea of like the book right now. How he's talking about like there 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 literally is you know I think his exact words was there there's no there's no bad teams there's no there's just bad leaders and yeah I I, I live by it I love that's why that's this a, book I'm so oh, no, excited it's, for it's it. so much who you are um and one of the things so I don't I, I don't, I'm never gonna write a book right but yeah. the book that I would write um would be called the Retail MBA yeah. <laughs> Seriously, seriously. Right, I work explain, with, explain. I, I work with all these people who are MBAs, right? Yeah, all of them, right? And, and um, they don't own a fucking thing. Yeah, they don't own anything. Um, and they're weak. They're really weak. And I work with a lot of developers, um, and they're also weak. And I think about how many. 19-year-old kids take more ownership over the, you know, the sponge order at a grocery store. And they do. You know what I mean? They care. They really, really care. And they do a good job. And now they don't always. They don't always, right? But, but in, in a high, in a, in a well-run retail store, you'll see a 19-year-old kid living and dying by whether or not they had the right amount of sponges for a weekend. Like really they'll take it hard. And when they don't have enough sponges on Wednesday, 
they're really up they're they're like asking questions all right well i didn't order enough sponges this week so what do i need to th- like how can i think about this problem how do i like they go hard they go harder than everyone that i've met in corporate america period end of discussion and it drives me crazy it it makes me I mean, you know who I am, right? You, mm-hmm. you worked with me, and you know how I think about stuff. And I'm like, well, there is – because you've worked with me, and I worked with you. So both of us are like, well, yeah, there is no excuse to not be done this at 8 o'clock. It needs to be done at 8 o'clock. So get it done by 8 o'clock. And yeah. if you can't have it done by 8 o'clock, cut the scope until you can have it done by 8 o'clock. You know what I mean? Like that's the way the – and – that level of accountability that I've seen in so far in corporate America is, is non-existent. Period. Yeah, but I, I'm not. And so the retail mind. MBA would be the my book about how seventeen-year-old kids or single moms or whatever, right? All these different people from all these different backgrounds, retired little old ladies, have more accountability and take it much harder and do a better job than people who go to Wharton. And get a fancy degree because of the expectation level, which is high, and the accountability level, which is high. Now, the problem set is easier. I want to, like, the problem set is easier. Just like the problem set that you and I do isn't war, right? (laughs) Like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, however, the truth is it's still the expectations are high and the accountability is high and the results are ultra high. Everything. I, I, I actually think clearly it's not war, but I think what the purpose of this book is is explaining is it, it almost it should be treated as such. The only difference is you just get more opportunities. You mess up in war, you yeah, you it's know, like it's you literally know life or death. Yeah, it's life is... or death. You know, right? When you mess up in the workplace, not necessarily life or death. You know what there I mean? weren't but, enough sponges. It was. Yeah, it's all right. It's We're gonna enough. live. But, but if you treat it in that way of war, not meaning like over the top, like hey, somebody's got to go now or somebody's got to die now because you know you didn't have enough sponges. But if you take it from the and they say extreme ownership, which is really means like you know. I, I don't know if it's a play on it, but it sounds like from these first chapters, the ownership side that he's talking about is the, do you own your mistakes? Do you take accountability for the things that happen when you're in charge? You know what I mean? And I think he's saying like, whether it's war, whether it's sponges, you got to own as the leader, you got to own the mistake that is made. Because if you start with it by going, hey, look, Timmy, who's 17, that didn't order enough sponge, if you start it with, hey, Timmy, my bad. As the leader of this team, I should have prepared you better for what sponges, what we need for sponges on a Wednesday. And that way, six weeks later, Timmy is living and dying by the sponge order. Not to mention, Timmy will take accountability himself. So, yes, I'm taking accountability, but that doesn't mean that Timmy's not also taking accountability. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like inside and internally, Timmy is taking accountability 
and going, damn it, I messed up. And 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 now the manager is taking a hit. But I but man, if I would have really been on better, me. <laughs> it's <laughs> on me. If I would have been better. And you set that's why it's it's leadership. The reason why maybe you've experienced what you've experienced. And anytime I've experienced a situation, whether it's inside of a, a household from a parental standpoint, whether it's, you know, on a basketball court, on a football field, anytime I've been in a team environment and I've been a part of a team where blame is being pointed around at everybody, right? It always starts from the top. The leader starts the blaming. The leader is the one that sets that chain of events up because they're the ones that's like, you know, hey, you suck and you're holding me back. This team would be great if it was you. How many leaders have you worked with that have been like that and how successful are they? Well, I mean, the ones, the times when I've been in a position to lead, right? Mm -hmm. I've done the lead by example thing and own by example thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's and it's like, hey, we're gonna get this done, and I'm gonna be right there with you, getting it done. And like, here's here's the expectation, here's the goal, here's where we. And when we miss it, it's on me, mm-hmm. right? Um, and I've seen you do the same thing. And I know from our conversations off air, right, um, that you're like, oh, here's the thing we're struggling at, with at work, and I need to, right? You immediately then go to I. <laughs> you immediately then go to like, <laughs> I need to prepare these people that are on my team better so that they can support the goal and uh, they must not understand the target. They like all those things. Right. Um, so I've seen it. I, I've seen it. I just yeah. know how it works and yeah. you're exactly right. Like, and it is start. I think, I think the thing that he's surprised at in this book is he's like, I'm going to these businesses and telling them stuff. that seems obvious. Yeah. It seems obvious. Yeah. Like, yeah. what, what do you mean? What do you mean? Mr. CTO that you, that you blame other people or the plan was pe- like, what do you and you can sort of tell that they are like this seems obvious why don't businesses understand this and i too am questioning yeah. the exact like <laughs> well how, how, about, how about the line he hit when it, you know one of the other things that leadership is is everybody can do the job everybody ha- can do everybody can bring something to the table 100% but once you notice that someone and I don't, these weren't his exact words. I'm paraphrasing for myself. Once you notice that someone is going the opposite direction of the team and they actually don't want to be a part of what's going on. You got to go. You got to go. You got to right. go. And, and, how much, and, and how much stuff, how much stuff is the opposite of that? Oh, <laughs> everything. You know what it is? It's talent. It's even your, your talent gets you like, through a lot of things in society now. If you're somebody who's deemed talented, like in the book, he had the one guy where he was uh, um, at the, I don't know if it's a manufacturing company, I guess is what it sounds like. And he goes to the owner and or the, the head guy, CEO, whatever, and he's telling him about one of his guys. The, who's the like, CTO. He's the yeah, chief the CTO, technology yeah, officer. Yeah. He's the guy who's my boss. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And he's telling him, like, he's telling him, hey, man, you know, uh, that guy is not isn't on board. He's not on board, and you see the owner goes, well, but he, but he's so talented and he's so, so skilled and he's so, because one person can't do it. You know how many people he's probably holding back because so of many. his, because of his, you know, mindset and you know his selfishness. He's probably holding so many people back, 
And I and I like the lead like that, Devin. I I don't care how talented you are. And at the end of the day, you know, talent is great, but if you if you're supremely talented, but no one wants to follow you, you're going to lose versus a team every time. Yeah. Everybody has to have blockers. Everybody yeah. has to have you know people they throw to. Everybody has to have a team. Oh, 100 percent. And it's it's better. It's it's objectively it's better. It's like every it's it blows my mind. But yeah. And um, oh, you know, yeah. the, one, the other thing that I love that he talked about is that the weakest, the, the weak, the quote unquote weak links, you know, and, and I'm hoping in the book he gets even more in depth with that. But he but he kind of glosses over it a little bit um, where he talks about the one boat. What was it? Boat number two. Yeah, he talks about leading them to the next pylon. He's exactly. like, look, instead of giving them a goal that's too big and too long and too far out, right? Which you can do for somebody who is ready for that. Yeah, ready right? for that. Exactly. But certainly there have been times where, you know, I've, I've worked with somebody who's maybe junior to me or somebody who just gets overwhelmed and gets too into it or, or you cut know. It when, half, when we, cut it in half, baby. Cut that field in half. Just cut it down until you have something that they can say, like, I can definitely own this. And then you go, all right, well. That is what you need to have done by whatever. And then if they don't get it, accountability. And if they do get it, high five. Let's do it a little again. bit next time. Yeah, let's do it again. <laughs> or again. again. Yeah, or again. Depen- depends on the person. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and to me, it was like, this book is a revelation. It's, it's, it's everything that, like, I was giddy listening to it because it, it is a validator for me, you know, because yeah. I, I, am, I am 100% the type yeah, of leader – that's like you see that like, person look i know this i know this book is preaching to the choir but i think that preaching to the choir is valuable especially oh yeah no right? it, it's exciting because also i'm it's exciting i i talk to other people in in the career that i'm in and, and where i work and you'll talk to some of the other people that are in my positions musician and they'll be like oh yeah this person sucks or not sucks but they'll they'll speak you know not highly Sure, they need they need to improve over here. This, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this no, person no, is a problem no. because of these things. And then you'll get that person, and you'll be like, "What? Yeah. What? Like where? What are they watching?" Because the thing that I'm not watching is I'm not watching necessarily how fast you do something. I'm not watching how many things you do in a day. What I'm watching is where is your level of buy-in. Correct. Where is your level of buy-in? If that person is bought in, I know I can use them. Come be one on the of, team, baby. <laughs> one of the people that you and I used to, uh, I think that you maybe still sometimes do work with them, but one of the people that, that I used to work with um, is she's a, an older woman, right? Mm-hmm. Um, she was an older woman when I was working with her, and she, I think she's still around. <laughs> so now she's even older, right? And she was, and you know, it was, it was a tough kind of very physical retail job, right? It was hard. Yeah. And she was a killer. She was a stone killer. She was one of the best people that you'd want on your team. You'd want her every time. And she would come in and she would do hard, hard work. And there were things that she was physically incapable of doing. And she would see it as a problem. And she would ask someone who was, you know, younger to handle the hard thing that she physically cannot do. And I'll take care of this. And I'll take care of it. And and then she would just be like, hey, in two minutes, I'm going to need that over there. Can you get that for me? 
she would tell you in advance. And it was like, well, all right, well, you may, because you're a 68-year-old woman, not be able to physically carry the role the way like a a 19-year-old can, right? Because you have a very physically demanding job, right? Mm-hmm. But with that attitude, I give love me 10 it. of them. Give me 10 of them. All day long, because we'll get it done. <laughs> yeah, give me some. We'll and, you know, so, dude. Because eventually they can lift it together, and they'll dude. lift it together, you know? There's so you wouldn't you you won't believe this, but there's a whole system that that the that the industry that I'm in has for like um, how to communicate up the chain and down the chain, right? Mm-hmm. So like let's say let's say that I like come up with a way to do something that's ten times better and ten times faster, right? There's like a special system to push that information up the chain so the people up top know and back down the chain so other people know. And there's a special system for like, let's say I, I run into a problem that blocks me, right? Mm-hmm. I can like say like, this is blocking me. And then a bunch of other people get to find out that this is blocking me and they can go ahead and unblock me. And I'm like- You can't just ask them to unblock you? Why don't you just, exactly, what you said, exactly. And it's this entire layer of bureaucracy that's on top of everything. Because at your store, if you start killing it and you solve some problem that saves you 20 minutes, how long does it tell you, how long does it take you to tell another store? It doesn't take you long at all. Nope. First, you prove that you're actually right. Because, <laughs> you know, you know that sometimes you think you got something, but you don't. But once you actually know and you're like, oh, this is the better way. You then immediately just pass that information along. That's your job. Mm-hmm. It's not I need a system. It's my job to pass it along because we're all going one direction. Yep. And, dude, not that I want to build, like, a big software company. <laughs> but if I did, I would build one with accountability and the ability to, like, communicate to across your organization to yes. just somebody else and be like, hey, this is blocking me. I need this. And the yeah. expectation is that they would, like, immediately fix it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you they know wouldn't what, create a meeting about it. They yeah. would fix it. You know, with leadership accountability, one of the things that I've all I've always felt, you know, is leadership accountability. When a leader is willing to accept accountability, it promotes like creativity. It promotes uh, oh, um, sure. an uh, initiative. You know, it promotes all of these positive things because most people's biggest fears. Are making a mistake mm-hmm. it's failure and when your biggest fear is failure you almost are like i, I don't want to try i don't want to do too much because i don't want to you know mess things I up fail I, don't get get, at. I don't want to get failed i don't want to get laughed at i don't want to be the one that everybody's going you're the reason why so when you have a leader that's like listen i say i tell my team all the time listen <laughs> we're going to fail you know that mistake that you're frustrated about right now? It's going to happen again. You know, like, like be ready. It's going to happen again. I'm never upset with mistakes. I'm never upset with those types of things, failure and different things like that. That's going to happen. You know, the last three holiday Mondays, we've gotten, you know, we, we've left some stuff on the table. Mm. And it's okay to happen once, maybe even twice. 
But now we got to learn. Everyone, we got to learn. And it hasn't been the same mistakes. It's been different mis- mistakes. We've had success on one, thought we had enough, and outdid what we did the last one before. And it's, you know, but with growth, you're going to have mistakes. You're going to have failure. You're going to have misjudgments. You're going to have all of that stuff. Yep. And if you don't have an environment that allows people to make those mistakes, then you're going to have a risk-adverse environment. And everyone's going to be so afraid that they're going to start pointing the fingers at one another because they don't want to be the ones that receive the blame. Take that away. As the leader, you take that away. It's on me. It's my mistake. Take that away. Yep. Man, this book's awesome. Yeah, I'm, hey. I'm, I'm excited to get in it. You know what else hey. is nice about the book? Hmm. It's a lot of action. Oh There's yeah, so much yeah. action. The first part, yeah, and then it goes into all right. You, you are, let's you, translate like you're, it into you're in a story. You forget. You forget. You forget yeah. that you're, and then, yeah. and then you go to business. It's pretty awesome. The way they wrote it, the way they wrote this book is, it's awesome, man. Yeah. Like it starts yeah. out, you know, it's like it starts out. You're in like, you know, the sniper movie or whatever at the top of the roof. And you're like, you know, and it's all this action around. You can feel the, the tense, you know, moment that they're going through. And then and then you even realize, like, oh, my God, he's going to the building? Like, this is crazy. And you're like, then, the, you know, it's like anticipation and boom. And then you get the big climax of like, oh, my God, it's friendly fire. And then he takes you into the story of, okay, let's translate that to, business and it, it was it was well done man i i really like how they did it i'm glad man i'm very glad um so speaking of accountability did you get on the bike last week i did and you know what we got to do better at sending our uh daily updates i, I totally ripped all week myself um speaking of accountability as well um but yes i did i got on the bike halftime of the super bowl I was so invested in the Super Bowl, more than I've been invested in any game. Last year with the Sixers, I wasn't nearly as invested as I was in this one. I got a little bit invested early. Sure. And then I I had time to kind of like, because it's a series, you have time to like, you know, get your anger, anger going and be less invested. <laughs> this one I was totally invested on. So I couldn't sit still. Halftime came and I was like, I'm riding the bike. I rode the bike the whole halftime. The 29 or 30 minutes of halftime, I, I rode the bike because I couldn't do anything else. And it felt like being a kid again in 04 or any time during my high school years where football was, you know, or, or sports, a sporting event was my everything. Sure. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, this Sunday, just for that one day, had the same feeling. You know, had the same exact feeling. Love so, it. I mean, I, that's part of that you want to experience life and experience joy. So that, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I let myself go, so I had to get on the bike. So I did a half an hour on that bike uh, throughout the whole Rihanna show. Good. Yeah. Good, how, how about you? Did you come up with? Uh, I, I'm killing it. Oh, I'm yeah? still killing it. Yeah. Well, right wait, now, did you come up with your your uh, your, your got, next step? Yep. I got my outline. I got my next steps. I know kind of exactly what I'm doing. I kind of have a plan on how to get it done in time. I have a scheduled like demo, like fake talk that I'm going to give before the real talk. So yeah, dude, I I killed it. I killed it all week. Awesome. Awesome. This has been very helpful for me because like this is the kind of thing that I 
drag my feet on and i really need to i really need to nail this so it's been good no it's been very helpful for me too i'm you know i'm still still doing uh good on even just the choices of beverage and and uh, and the you know the sugars i definitely did not have uh, a whole nine sugar uh kind of was more along lines of the plan of the week well with the super bowl i kind of figured you were gonna you were gonna end up losing yeah i ended up losing that battle a few days mainly mainly just because of honestly this week was a hectic week and you know the first thing i go to like like in stressful situations like food is not a conscious decision when i'm in stressful situations that that's my outlet that's where my stress goes so not that i did a poor job eating i probably didn't eat enough but i definitely you know when with like one in my uh one in my my juice with a with a you know freaking chips or something like that when i'm just standing around like all of those like the like yeah. more of the not the dinner moments but the moments in between where i'm like oh man i gotta hurry up and get this done and the next thing you know i got a bag of chips and you know an orange juice and i'm just like sipping and eating and trying to yeah. do some work like that type stuff so yeah well we, yeah. we'll get there right yeah the, the steps this week last week we kind of call it a mulligan but this week you know aim for the w's and then get your time on the bike and you know uh get it get it done it'll be it'll be good i'm gonna keep moving forward on my projects that's going good i don't really have a specific goal for this week i don't think yeah yeah but now nah, we'll get back on the bike this it felt good we did good so good man good yeah. all right so uh in the meantime vernon where can people find us they can find us at the processes black and white.com and they can search us on all your social media platforms and we'll pop right up also check out comics helper Oh, yeah, comicshelper.com. New website release. Yeah, check out comicshelper.com. Pretty awesome, man. Good work, man. Looks good. Thanks, man. If I know any comic uh, book stores, uh, you know, if you need some some work done here on the East Coast, then. Yeah, if you, dude, if you bump into anybody who's like, I run a comic book store, send them my way for sure. (laughs) I will. You got it. All right, man. man. Hey, have a great week, man. All right, talk to you next week. Yep, you got it.